Good afternoon. Almost evening. It feels like evening in here, doesn't it? We'll pretend it's evening. It makes the candlelight part better. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Cedar Mill. I want to just officially welcome you to the Christmas Eve gathering of our church. If you're new or if you're a guest with us, we're thrilled that you decided to join us. You know, I'll never forget when I was in the fourth grade and there was something that I really wanted for Christmas. It was a gift that I had hoped for that year more than anything else. I don't know if I'd ever in my life wanted a gift more than I wanted this particular gift, but hoping for that gift that year felt a bit futile. And it was futile because my parents had already told me I was not going to get it because it was not something they wanted in our home. And so as a fourth grader, I decided to do the only thing I could do, and that was to pull the old Ask Santa end around move without mom and dad, even though my mom had assured me that Santa checked out all gifts with parents before he gave them. <laughs> in spite of that information, I decided to do what I could, and we went to the mall. I sat on the big guy's lap, and I made my bold request. Well, that year, Christmas morning came around, and right near the end of present opening time, I was handled a pretty good-sized box labeled To David from Santa. And when I tore in to the wrapping paper exposing the box, the thing that was inside made my entire Christmas. It was a brand new Atari video computer system. That's right, kids. This was cutting-edge <laughs> gaming technology in 1983, and I had one. Santa had come through. I had what I hoped for, and this was certainly the greatest Christmas ever. By the way, a, a friend of mine recently sent me this meme. which really put a damper on my Christmas spirit. And so to that friend, I say, bah humbug. Um, no, as we dive in today, I, and I talk about a Christmas gift that I really hoped for. I want to ask you a question. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for in this season? What are you hoping for in life? What are you hoping for this year at Christmas? Now, for some of you, it will be in the same vein as my Atari. You're hoping for a specific gift, a jacket or a gadget or those shoes or a pair of wireless headphones or the new iPhone 11. Or maybe this year, you're hoping for a car because we've all seen those commercials where the husband or the wife surprises their loved one on Christmas morning with a new car parked in the driveway with a big red bow on it. And I have to tell you, every single time I see one of those commercials, I think, who are these people? And how is their Christmas budget so different than mine? Furthermore, keep your gifts to yourself, Lexus, because, you know, I picked out a very thoughtful and nice gift for my wife, but now it doesn't seem like much. <laughs> You're killing me. And so before we move on, as just as a precautionary side note, I need to say this. If you're here today 
and you happen to have bought your husband or wife or your kid a new car for Christmas, Jesus loves you. <laughs> he, he really does. I don't like you, but he <laughs> loves you a lot. No. The point is this, we've all hoped for something special at Christmas at some point. Maybe, like me, you've got an Atari or something like that on your brain. Or maybe, when I ask you about what you're hoping for, something else comes to mind. Maybe, for you, it's not about what you'll get. It's about what you'll give. Maybe there's a certain person in your life and... The gift you have for them is something you've put a lot of thought or time or work into and you are really hoping for this gift to just make their Christmas. Or maybe what you're hoping for is just to have a Christmas full of quality time with people you love. Maybe for you it's less about the gifts and your hope is really for a time or a moment or a memory to be made. Or maybe you're hoping for something bigger than Christmas even this year. Maybe you're hoping for that job to come through or to make the team or you're hoping for some good news about your health or some good news about the health of someone you love or maybe you're hoping for a relationship that's been severed to be healed or reconciled. Friends, whatever it is, here's the truth. Here's the truth about you and me. We are all hopers. To be human is to hope. To be human is to long for things to satisfy our souls. And yet often in this world that we live in, what we hope for does not happen. What we hope for does not come, come true. And that's one form of disappointment. But perhaps an even greater measure of disappointment and discouragement can set in when we do get that thing we've been hoping and longing for only to discover that it doesn't satisfy us in the way that we thought it would. Or maybe it satisfies us for a time, but then soon, much too soon, the, gra the gratification fades. And this is where when we look to the scriptures, we find an important and interesting distinction. You see, in the English language, the word for hope, the word hope, is primarily about uncertainty. Hope is about something that we are not certain in. We hope for something. When we do that, we are, in a sense, wishing for it. We are longing for something that may or may not occur. But the Bible has a different definition for the word hope. In the Bible, the Greek word for hope actually means something we can count on. Hope in the scriptures is not about something you are wishing for, but about something you know. It's about something you have certainty in, and because of that, you can now have security and peace and confidence in life no matter what comes your way. That is biblical hope. One way to think about this that might help is there's a distinction between things we hope for and what we're called to put our hope in. In. There's a difference between hope for and hope in. And again, to hope for is not bad. I am not here tonight to shame you for hoping for some things. I'm hoping for some things too. 
This year, I'm actually hoping for a lot of things. I'm hoping for a really great time with my family and friends over the holiday break next week. I'm hoping for the Blazers to finally make a big trade that will put them over the top. I'm hoping for the sweatshirt that I asked for for Christmas to actually fit, which for me is kind of like a Christmas miracle. Um, I'm hoping for good health. I'm hoping for good hikes. I'm hoping for some really good days snowboarding on Mount Hood with my kids. I'm hoping for our church that we will continue to be a people who experience God's grace and truth in such a way that it's transforming for us and a significant blessing to those we meet. I'm hoping this year for a friend, a dear friend of mine who's going through a really, really rough time to find the healing and hope and restoration that his heart needs. You see, friends, there are a lot of things we hope for, but the, the question of Christmas is bigger than what we're hoping for. It's what are you hoping in? Not what do you wish will happen, but what is that thing in your life of such wondrous and marvelous certainty that it gives you confidence and peace and courage to be the person you know you were created to be in spite of what life brings your way? You see, hope in anchors our lives, anchors our souls. And one of the biggest mistakes we make is not that we hope for things in this world, it's that we confuse hope for things with the hope in thing. I'll say that again. It's that we confuse hope for things with the hope in thing. We mistakenly anchor the meaning and purpose and ultimate satisfaction of our souls to things that may or may not happen. And even if they do, they will only bring peace and satisfaction for a time. Friends, this is why Christmas is so significant. This is why there's all the hoopla. This is why all the pomp and circumstance. Because this is the story that tells us we finally have something that we can, with confidence, put our hope in. And so today, I want to talk about what God did at Christmas, why he did it, and then how we should respond. First, what God did at Christmas. In the Gospel of Matthew, we get sort of the abbreviated version of the Christmas story, not as long or as detailed as the story in the Gospel of Luke. We hear about Mary and Joseph, their soon-to-be marriage, the unexpected pregnancy, how Joseph considers leaving her, he considers divorce, and then an angel comes to Joseph and says, stay with Mary, her, her pregnancy is from the Holy Spirit, and then at the very end of this short section, there's this little statement about the baby about Jesus. It's Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And the angel says, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God with you. In John's gospel, he says it, says it this way, the word became flesh. God himself became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The great Christmas carol, Holy Night, simply says, at one point, he appeared. Just two words, he appeared. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining, pining, longing, seeking for something to satisfy our souls, something that would last, till he 
appeared, which sort of sounds like magic, like ta-da, he just appeared, and yet that is not the message. The message is this, our God has chosen to come down into our mess, that he's with us, that he makes his dwelling among us, that he appears, that our God decided to enter in. It was a cool, clear evening on the night of November 17th. 2015, when engine 316 was suddenly called to a home in Queens, New York. Arriving on the scene, the two and a half story home was already engulfed in flames with frantic residents on the street all screaming that a baby was still inside on the top level. Hearing this news, Lieutenant Adam Villagos immediately entered the home and made his way to the second floor where he was met by dark, thick smoke. The heat was intense, the visibility was zero, and with the flames engulfing the hallway, Lieutenant Villagos located the stairs and crawled on his belly up to the third floor, where still on the ground, he began searching for the child. Making his way to the rear of the room, finally he heard the faint sounds of a baby who was struggling to breathe. He crawled over to what was a crib, rose, removed the baby, and began to make his way back down the stairs. Using his body as a shield, Villagos and the three-week-old baby boy would dash through searing heat and pass two rooms fully engulfed in flames before they finally made it out the front door and onto the lawn where the baby was taken and treated by paramedics. Both Villagos and the baby would be fine. But friends, I tell this story because this is a wonderful picture of Christmas. This is what we're told at Christmas, in fact, that our God, when he heard our cries and when he saw our distress and when he knew that we were helpless and yearning and weary, he didn't stand off to the side or simply shout orders or hold a hose. He came running in. He got right down into the middle of the flames and the heat and the struggle and the mess with you and me. Christmas is the moment, friends, when God sees the oppression and injustice of our world. When he looks down and sees our pain and suffering and separation from him, our pining and our aching, unsatisfied souls, our longing for something that we can put our hope in, and he decides that he's going to get involved. He's coming in. So why? Why did he do it? Why did God do it? Why did he come? Why did he choose to take on flesh and dwell with us? What evoked him to appear? Listen to what the hymn writer tells us. Till he appeared, long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its Word. This is perhaps my favorite line in all of the Christmas carols ever, ever written. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And I love it, friends, and I love it because it is telling us that God came because we were worth it to him. He took on flesh because we were worth it. Our God entered into the mess because he loves and values us so much. I mean, think about it. Lieutenant Villagos doesn't burst into that house and risk his life, risk orphaning his children if there are people on the street saying, Officer, officer, my favorite book is in there. Not valuable enough. Not 
worth it. He doesn't enter in if they say, I just bought a new 4K 80-inch TV on the second floor. You've got to do something. With that news, he doesn't go. It's not worth it. That is not valuable enough for him to risk his life. He doesn't even go if he finds there's a pouch of money or learns that your wedding photos are in there. It's not worth it. Not valuable enough for him to risk his life. So then why? Why in this instance does this fireman risk his life? Risk his children growing up without a father. Why would he do it? Because that baby was valuable enough. That baby was worth it. Friends, at Christmas, when we understand that the God of the universe came to earth, took on flesh, entered in, not just to risk his life, but to give his life for you and me, to lay down his life that you and I might have freedom and salvation and hope, we must understand that this is God in the most practical way we can imagine, saying, I did it, I came, because you were worth it to me. I did it because you are more valuable to me than you even know. I did it because my love for you is greater than you can even imagine. Do you hear that message from God at Christmas? Finally, how should we respond? How do we respond to a God who loves us so much that he would enter into our dirty, broken, wretched, fallen world? During the years of the American Civil War, an abolitionist named John Sylvan Dwight discovered and published the lyrics of a popular French song, French poem called O Holy Night. Dwight believed the lyrics of this song's final stanza spoke to the issues of his day, and he was specifically focused on this line, chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. At that time, thousands of American Christians thought slavery ran contrary to the teachings of Jesus, and Dwight believed these lyrics might capture and catalyze their determination to act on their convictions, to, to do something, to boldly and courageously set the slaves free no matter the cost. And friends, this line, I believe, speaks to you and I as well. This line, I believe, gives us a picture of how we must also respond to Christmas. How we must respond to a God who loves and values us so much that he entered into our mess to meet our deepest needs. You see, the call of Christmas, the invitation of Christmas is that we now follow him. We saved by him and rescued by him now follow him into the mess of this world to be agents of redeeming and restoring work, to be people who, like the one we follow, break the chains of oppression and injustice around us and help people in our world discover the satisfaction that their souls are truly longing for. You see, friends, Christmas is not just a serene, stagnant, story or a moment in time it is the God of the universe come to save his people from despair and then rally them and call them to join him in making this world the place he intends it to be so certainly we'll have quiet serene reflective moments 
But do not forget what Christmas really is. An invitation and a rallying cry from God for us to be his people in this world. That, my friends, is why this night is holy. That, my friends, is why we fall on our knees in worship. That, my friends, is why we sing and celebrate because freedom has come to the earth because we and all the world now finally have someone worthy of putting our hope in. You're hoping for a lot of things this year, but let me again ask you this question. Who have you put your hope in? Is your hope in someone or in something that will last the test of time? Is your hope in someone or in something that will love you not just now, not just for a moment, not just in this lifetime, but, it, but for all eternity? You see, this is a holy night. This is a holy night we're celebrating because we in all the world now have someone confidence can put our hope in. Amen?